to free beers and a movie. Nice. Hello and welcome to episode 79 of Three Beers and a Movie. I am Richard Laird and I'm with... Stuart Buxfall. And a happy mid yes. I'm very happy, Richard, yes. Yes, uh, the energy is there today. <laughs> the, the seven-year curse has been broken, has <laughs> been lifted. Rangers have defeated Celtic for the first time since I've been a father. So, oh, wow, yeah, that's insane. Yeah, I didn't realize it. Was mental? I didn't realize yeah. it. So, so I think they're, they're not counting the um, the cup semi. The no, I mean, I, yeah, well, obviously we won that, but we didn't really. We won on penalties yeah, yeah. as well, so it was a draw. So it's a, it felt like a hollow victory anyway. Right. And we took it when we lost the final, so it meant nothing in any case. Um, but at the time, obviously, it was everything. But yeah, it's the first time we've beaten them in the league since I think Stephen Naismith was playing on top for us. So wow. Right, it's been a while. Um, so I, I was actually dreading what, was the, what the energy levels and things would have been in this if Rangers had lost that game today. Um, you know, yeah, how you, you it, would been, it would have been bad. It would have been bad. Um, well, well, if they'd lost, I think you could have been philosophical. If they'd lost badly, I think it would have been more the, the worry. That was, that was my real concern. <laughs> <laughs> and it was a very real concern yeah. as well. Yeah. Just come on and just hear you just like sobbing over the mic for the next hour, <laughs> which is yeah. it's a real fear. Um, but what are you drinking tonight? Well, I am drinking celebratory style. I am having uh, red stripe. Oh, nice! I'm a big fan of red stripe. You are a big yeah. fan of red stripe. How about you? Um, I'm on. I'm on a bit of a detox. Long yeah, a bit of detox. I, I drank a lot over December for a, lot, for a good chunk, so having a wee break from it for the next five, six weeks or so. So I'm just on the lemonade tonight. Um, cool. But I'm sure I'll, I'm sure I'll get back into it soon. Just had a lot over the week, over the Christmas festive period, like up running up to it. So I felt like I needed a little, a little break from yeah, it all. You know, my body is just. It's a month of pure decadence, isn't it? The build-ups I, is bad now. I yeah. don't remember the build-up always being this intense, but it seems I, to be now. It does, and also I, I feel like I can, I can do heavy drinking or I can do heavy eating. I can't really do both. <laughs> yeah, so I've been over the last since about twenty since about the twenty fourth, I have been eating like my body weight and like you know celebrations and heroes and everything Absolutely. else crap you can find. So I can't really supplement that with booze, whereas. And the week no. before Christmas, I didn't have really have any big meals, but I could I could eat I could drink plenty. So I, I'm taking one vice and balancing it out. I like it. That's fine. Yeah. You're okay then. I'm okay. I'm, I'm good. I've got all the vices. <laughs> You've got all the vices. Yeah. <laughs> it feels like I'm awful. Actually injecting heroin into my eyes. <laughs> yeah. It feels like I'm awful for so long as well. Right now over Christmas, I feel like I could easily just fall into a habit of just drinking and eating for like, you know seven days straight, which I felt was a dangerous route to go down. But yeah, so this this week's podcast, we're not going to be talking much about the new releases. Um, there's some out, we'll, we'll probably touch on them more next week. Um, but instead we're going to do a kind of review of the year that was, uh, 2018. But generally, 2018, what do you think of it cinematic-wise? Well, I guess what's really good about doing these lists for three beers is that you get to appraise the year. Because otherwise, I don't know about you, but I just you, you must get this because you watch so many films. I forget what I've seen, and then then you go through the list of the year, and then you can get a real feel for what kind of year it's been. Yeah, I mean, um, I mean, yeah, I'm just, January to March was a bit of a blur. I, I had to look back and go, oh my god, that's that came out like that came out this year. I can't believe that was yeah. 2018. I thought that was like well before then. Yeah, exactly. And the films that won, you know, the Oscars is around that time, isn't it? And yes. So the films that won then, you feel like they're they're the previous year. Yeah. You know, a lot of the time, so yeah, it feels like a, a distant memory. Mm. But as a as a whole, for me, it was. A, a, a film with a few classic but lots of very good films so it made it quite hard to do a top 10 I yeah. probably could have changed like 8 of my 10 yeah. and had films that were just as good yeah I, I would definitely agree with that I felt like there was 
I'm not going to say a lack of quality this year because there was certainly quality around in some places. Um, um, the indie film or the, the faux indie film sort of was still pretty strong. Um, yeah. For the most part, I thought the tentpole, you know, the big budget releases were pretty dire. Yeah. There were a couple of ones that stood out that were really enjoyable, but for the most part, I thought there was a real kind of lack of quality there and also lack of originality a lot of the time, which I think has been a problem in generally with the, the, the big budget films of late. You know, they just... They're too busy trying to hit so many sectors that they don't they forget to be original or to get forget to be interesting. Yeah, I agree um, with that definitely. I'm I'm liking this year. This year I don't know if maybe twenty seventeen might claim to be, but I think this year seems to be the year when the streaming services have seemed to like sort of maybe taking more of a, a run at things. You know, they seem to be sort of putting themselves out there a little bit more. You know, particularly Netflix. You know, Netflix buying up things like Roma and yeah. and buying up um, yeah well. um, Annihilation as well. These felt like these felt like films that were all cinematic releases that they've, you know, grasped and, and are doing in a different way and I felt, it felt like a step up for them because most of, not all of, but most of the Netflix releases, for example, I thought have felt up until now pretty straight to DVD, straight to, to you know, all, all straight Aye. to, all that kind of stuff. But this, the last few, have felt like it's a real kind of step up in their game and it's like they're pushing for that next level, you know, to, to get that, either that Oscar nomination or even an Oscar win, you know, to, to almost like legitimise himself and, it's a, it's a good thing if there's more avenues to release things then it's, it's not a bad thing to the, to the potential detriment of the the cinema goer though I suppose if they're not releasing those films and we talked about this before obviously if they're not releasing those films on the big screen as well there is a bit of a shame when you think about um, Buster Scruggs and how incredibly beautiful that Tom Waits bit is yep. and that to not be on a big screen or in being be, in a limited release on a big screen just seems kind of sacrilegious. Yeah, no, I agree. And something like Annihilation, I know it got a, it got a release in America, but it didn't get a release on this side of the, the ocean. Um, that felt yeah. wrong. That film feels like it should be seen on the biggest screen possible. It felt that level of okay. film. Um, and then some of these films would be better. on Something like Roma is fine at home. That's fine. But uh, I think like Annihilation and Buster Scruggs, they're... they're they, they would probably your, your review of them would probably be more glowing. Yeah. Than you see it on a big screen, so there's a sadness to that a little bit. Well, also when you come to something like Roma, which we'll probably discuss more next week, um, I felt something like Roma actually was faulted by being on the small screen because it's a film that if it's on the big screen, it demands your full attention. Yeah. You know, you know, if if, yeah. if you're in a cinema and it's dark and you're there and you're there watching it, you're, all you can pay attention to is that film. Whereas I think on the small screen. If you're at home watching it, there is a tendency because it's such a slow build and sort of moments of just real quiet and silence and nothing happens yeah. that you do things a bit maybe kind of wandering away from it slightly. Which yeah, no, that, that's a good point actually. I think I think it should probably because initially I think it's not an overtly um, it's not a spectacular film by no, any means. I agree. I agree. It's, a, it's, a, it's a brooding film, but yeah. you're right. And some of the cinematography is absolutely stunning, and it probably would benefit from having that, you know, the kind of, the, the capsule element of being in a cinema where you can't be looking at your phone or you can't be doing whatever else and, and drifting in and out of a film, so that that probably is right, dude, to be yeah, fair. Sure. Uh, we weren't going to review films in this section, but we've discussed Roma at length almost. Um, <laughs> out of 10, would you give the 20, 2018 as a year, out of 10? It's it's an 8 out of 10, yeah. Like, every, every film I, I had in my uh, list when I was... I was Vigorously researching and, and redrafting, was they were pretty much all eight out of tens for me. Yeah, 
Uh, probably about seven. Seven. Um, like I said, a lot of good stuff I liked, and just this is a lot of stuff he's just found very bland. But the ones that were gems that stood out really stood out for me, and I really enjoyed them. How much of them would, would appeal, like, say, a, in a top ten of the 2010s, so to speak, which will probably be coming up in the next couple of years, you know, when people start reviewing the decade as a whole. Probably not that much, for, for, you know, for the full decade, but there was stuff I definitely really enjoyed throughout the year. Um, the, thing, the thing also that's probably worth stating here, uh, not to make this whole review process redundant, but <laughs> sometimes it can take years for a film's classic status to kind of become known oh, to you. Absolutely, you I mean, I think Seth Rogen put something up recently saying we should give Oscars out five years after a film's release, because it's only by that point you actually know the, <laughs> the impact of yeah, a film. And it's totally true, because you think of the amount of films that yeah. won Oscars, and you go, that won an Oscar? Oh my god, that's insane, that film still, that one, that was so big. When it was up against these more iconic movies that have lasted, you know, you know, thirty or forty years, um, yeah. you know, I think it's a, a solid year without being a spectacular year. Um, I agree. We'll bounce into first thing. We'll bounce into is just just for reference more than anything else, the box office top ten. So this was as of the 29th of December. So it might change in the last couple of days if a couple of films that are still out do a massive, huge couple of like final weekend. But I doubt they're going to they're going to impact on this. So. And number 10 um, for the year at $612 million was Fantastic Beats, The Crimes of Grindelwald. I will never watch that. It's, I, mean, I would say don't. I mean, Jill's a massive Harry Potter fan. Even she was utterly bored by it, so that tells you a lot yeah, about she, what it was. That says everything, really, doesn't it? Yeah. And it sounded quite plodding and pointlessly convoluted from what you were saying in the pod. Absolutely, yeah. Just too much plot. I bet then again, it's obviously, that's one of these things where it's, it's already got a predetermined audience, so they know it's going to make five hundred million already. You know, and anything <sighs> top of that, because just because of you know brand recognition, it's a Harry Potter esque movie, so people are going to go and see it regardless. Does, uh, does um, Rowling write it? Yes, and I think that's part of the problem. <laughs> no, g- generally she's got final draft on the script, so she basically says what happens yeah. in the script, and, and they can't not film it. So she, actually, she wrote the script, so but also she's got final cut on it. On, on, not in the film itself, but on the script. So if she might, if they say this doesn't make sense, how, do you, how can you tell J.K. Rowling that doesn't make sense? She owns the world. You can't. She, you you can't. can't. Yeah. And the 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 skills of a screenwriter and the skills of, a, of an author are two entirely different things. And there's actually very few of them who can actually bridge both gaps. The only the great man who passed recently is, is up there, really. Yeah, I mean, Goldman, Goldman could do it. Yeah, but even, even guys like Stephen King, you know, Stephen King probably one of the greatest prose writers of the past, what, 100 years. Even he... His screenplays have not exactly lit the world on fire. No, no. You know, it, it, you're right. It's a totally different medium. Yeah. And yeah, she's got too much power there. She? Exactly. That, I think that's maybe part of the problem. But um, still, it's number ten of the year, six hundred twelve billion, uh, million, not billion, million dollars. Um, number nine was Ant Man the Wasp. What? Uh, yeah, six 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 hundred sixty two million. So it was it got in there. The nice wee quiet hit for for. Um, I liked it. I liked it a lot as well, and I think it, it got lost in the mush of like the sort of the importance of Black Panther and the epicness of. Infinity War, it became almost just this really nice movie, and I think it's done well. It made, I, think it, I think it only cost like 150, 140 million to make, so it's, yeah. t- it's turned a very tidy profit for for um, for, for, for Disney and Marvel. Um, like I, I thought it was a really fun film. I really enjoyed it. No, it's just throwaway kind of enjoyment popcorn flick. Yeah, it, it's, it's in t- in terms of a popcorn movie, just a lot of fun. Um, number eight is one I'd really well. There's two I don't understand in this list, but number eight um, is Bohemian Rhapsody, right. which wow. tips in at six six seven million dollars. Um, I can only assume that is just from pure nostalgia. Do you know what? We talk about this a, a few times whenever I'm on. 
about the Isle of Man cinemas, and then we have two cinemas, very small, one two-screen, one one-screen. Yep. And the film selections are very generic, and films tend to only be on for a week or two unless it's a fucking Harry Potter or something. Yeah. But Bohemian Rhapsody, due to popular demand, was on for two months. Yeah. It's really resonated with people. Yeah. It, it does. It's so, so biopic by numbers. It's exactly the same plot and exactly the same story as Walk the Line, as Ray, as yeah. um, the James Brown one. Um, yeah. But what it I think it's. It completely muses his personality, I think. Yeah. It just. It's so anodyne and just generic. And, oh. I didn't. I didn't I, I'm, I'm a bit of Queen fan. They're a guilty pleasure. I grew up with Queen. Yeah. Um, but, and and there's, there was a, there's a good story to be told there, you know? I can see why Sasha Baron Cohen dropped out. Yeah. Um, it felt when I was watching it, it felt much more like a film made by people who don't want to freak out people who like Queen. People who Definitely. people who like Queen in the sixties don't want to engage with the fact that Freddie Mercury was gay. The the the, um, the HIV scene is so sanitized. Oh, it's, oh god. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, it's done well. It's, yeah, it's and probably huge. And I think the reason why he's done, and I think the big reason between that is maybe it's tapped into an audience who, for a lot of the time, don't get looked at in the cinema. You know, people in their yeah. maybe late forties, early fifties. You know, for the most part, they're not looked after. You know, everything's Avengers, everything's superhero movies, everything's all that kind of stuff. This is a fi- this is a film yeah. we got them. in the same way that something like Greatest Showman, you know, actually capture yeah. people people a certain audience's view. All all the stuff that comes out when you get something like what's the one at the hotel the. Exotic Marigold Hotel or something, you know. Yeah, yeah, it's exactly of that ilk. Yeah. In the same, the same way. Yeah. You find an audience who, for the most part, are underserved, and if there's one film they can go and see, they'll go and see that one film. And I think that might miss it. Also, you put the yeah. music on; people like the music, and that will sell a million couple yeah. tickets. You know, that will sell do it as well. And uh, number seven is Deadpool two. Yeah. Seven hundred thirty-five okay. million. Like I said, I thought it was, I thought it was fun, but nothing spectacular. It, it's one of them that I remember laughing a lot. Yeah. It just felt like a, a poorer version of the first one um, and just a rehash. But one of them, if it was on, you know, Friday night at like 11 o'clock, I'd watch it and I'd yeah. dip in and out for a few laughs. But you can watch a few scenes. You don't need to watch the whole film. No. And it, again, it's brand recognition gets it that, that money as well. You know, the fact that the first one, everyone loved the first one, put it out with a Deadpool 2 title on it, have a really, really well done marketing campaign, which you cannot fault the guys who done the marketing for that. So. fault that. They've absolutely smashed the marketing. They're ahead of anyone else. Yeah. Absolutely killed that. You've got a guy, Ryan Reynolds as well, who's fronting that film and who, is, who again, is just an utter charm factory as well. So, so much charisma. It's yeah. Ridiculous. So that film sells itself, essentially, and when you do the, so that's how it makes the money. You know, people are just, they build up such a, a, a massive sort of excitement to see it. Then it's going to do the money, and it, and it did the money. But it don't, it don't even cost that much to make, so they did, they did well with that one. Uh, number six, um, I was surprised it got as high as this, which because I was, by all accounts, I heard it hadn't done as well as this. But was Mission Impossible Fallout, which I've did seen it, yeah. seven nine yeah. seven hundred ninety one million, which I, I'm impressed. I, I loved this film. I thought it was a great spy movie, a really well done thriller. Um, big fan of Chris McQuarrie. Big fan of Tom, yeah. Q, Tom, jo- yeah. Tom Jones. You know, said Tom Cruise. <laughs> <laughs> When he's doing this you kind are of, st- I'm a big fan of Tom Jones as well, yeah, especially when he's hanging <laughs> from buildings. Um, so yeah, and again, confirmed that this juggernaut will keep going on. I really don't think there's been a bad Mission Impossible film yet, so I'm happy no, to see it make not. money and, and hopefully do more. Need to see it. 
yeah, it's excellent, really phenomenal. Like I really enjoyed it, so much fun. Um, here's the one that is, <laughs> um, it's number five on the list for this year. I could not believe it was up as high as this and how much money it made. Um, it made eight hundred and fifty-four million, and that film is Venom. Whoa! Yeah. Really? Venom is the fifth highest grossing film of twenty eighteen. I haven't seen it yet. But <laughs> I'm intrigued by the batshit nature of it. It just shows people will just women for Tom Hardy. That's purely it, isn't it? Women for Tom Hardy. Also, I think what this film has shown is it's that division between critique and entertainment you know fa- like, pe- people who went and seen this film gave it a, if you look at all the scores or the metacritic and all these kind of scores they're rating in the high 80s 90 percent whereas possibly yeah where the critics are, are tanning it now <laughs> I, I think maybe people are watching it for the wrong reason like you said they might just like tom hardy that could be the reason why people like it and he has got some sort of charm people enjoy i don't think it's got 854 million worth of charm to be honest but uh, I mean, what do i know I thought it was a bit of a, I thought it was a box office disaster. I, I didn't know it smashed it like that. I think it just, I think it just, it rolled and rolled and rolled and people just kept going to see it. Wow. Yeah, so 854, I don't I think it crashed a little bit at the American box office. Mm. But it's done a massive worldwide box office. So I think maybe that's what it's So that's it. resurrected Ruben Fleischer then, which is presumably, yep. he'll be Zombieland 2. Be imminent, I guess. Well, he he had that in production as he was making Venom Two, and I thought he was oh, doing, he? and I thought he was uh, doing that almost as like if Venom Two goes tits up, I'm gonna go back to the well. Yeah, what good at yeah. Yeah, so well not he goes back and does that now. Who knows? You might just say, you know, what my stock is high. I've made I made a eight hundred and fifty four million dollar movie. I'm gonna go and do what I want because I've got a bit of currency all, all of a sudden. I can go back to the mm-hmm. what I want. But who knows? Um, but yeah, so he's back. Um, I just don't understand the love for Venom. But anyway, um, number four is the. F- I don't know any. Sorry, I, I don't know one person who enjoyed it. Not, so anybody I, who I work with who beat to see it, nobody liked it. One uh, person put it on the top ten list on the three beers pool, but I think he might have had yeah. to do it out at the, the pushing of his lady. So, um, but I know, <laughs> but I know he did like the film to a degree as well. Um, number four is the first film to cross the billion mark this year, or the first film in the top ten to cross the billion mark. And that is Incredibles 2 at 1.2 billion. Oh, you know what? Hunter got it for Christmas and we haven't had, because it's been so busy, we haven't had a chance to watch it yet. So I'm going to watch that tomorrow night. I'm very excited. I haven't seen it yet. Yep, really enjoyed it. But again, a lot will probably come from, you know, brand recognisement. You know, it's it's kids who have now had kids taking their kids to see it. Pretty much, yes. Yeah. So you're talking people who people who are like maybe fifteen or sixteen when they first saw it. Maybe even you know maybe I've now I've now got kids. You know and they're taking to see it. Yeah, so, yeah. You know, so it's, yeah. it's, it's definitely it's a you know multi generational one. But yeah, one point two billion it made. Um, just ahead of that is Jurassic World: Fallen Kingdom at one point three billion. I did, I did not like that film. You don't like it at all. I did not like it at all. No, I watched it. I, I, I watched it only, only about a month ago actually. I, I thought it was all over the place. I think tonally it made some really weird choices, you know, the fact that it, you know, yeah. went, it went from, you know, a Jurassic Park movie all of a sudden to like a, an alien-style horror movie. Um, yeah, But it didn't really, commit, totally. didn't really commit to the alien-style horror film, it was still trying to do it in a PG-12 environment. Um, yeah, I, I liked it more than a lot of other people did, because I'm, I'm, big, I'm into dinosaurs and I like the Jurassic Park world. Um, but yeah, I can see why people wouldn't like it. And a lot of people, a lot of people had a lot of hatred for Jurassic World, you know, so... That doesn't make sense to me. Yeah. I, I wanted a bit more of that. I was quite happy with my safe little comforting, uh, you know, 
almost like a diet to Jurassic Park. Yeah. I'm happy with that. Just stick with that. If yeah. You're trying, and then, as you say, didn't fully commit, so it ended up stuck between both worlds. Um, yeah, it was a bit meh. Yeah. But I'm glad it's done well because, you know, I, like, like, I like all the people involved. Yeah, and, I'm, I'm, and you don't want to see Jay Bayona having to, like, you know, in some way curtail himself, you know. So I think he was almost trying to do a different film and he had to sort of shoehorn it into Jurassic World. world. Yeah, you know, um, but still, it, you know, massive, massive hit. Um, number two this year was the cultural phenomenon that was Black Panther, which right. made one point three four billion dollars of the year. So, wow. made all the money, and again, that just shows like Ant Man the Wasp is a Marvel film that is a stand as a as a sequel. So you expect that to make more money in the first Ant Man film. It makes six a very respectable six hundred sixty two million. Black Panther crossed the billion dollar mark and that's because A, it's a very good film B, B also it taps into an audience that's not that has been underserved for you know, since for the last yeah. 90 years in cinema respect, you know Do you, do you think, irrespective of whether it makes our, the three beers final list, depending on the votes, do you think it's the most important film this year? Um, I think it, I mean I think you can probably argue that, I think a few films out this year have been really important in that respect, but I think you can definitely make that argument for you because it, it, it does, it taps into an audience who, like I said, are underrepresented and it, if it gets people of other creeds and other ethnicities interested in, in a world then you've got to applaud that and you've got to applaud what it did and also it was a ballsy film to make it's pretty, I mean it is essentially an African movie you know, yeah. which is yeah. to make that in this cultural environment you know, when it, it felt brave to do it, you know, it felt like it, it really could have been, it really could have been panned heavily you know, it would have had a lot of back, you know, sort of um, people against it in some way. But I think everyone who saw it, and, and people who, who liked it, just liked it for being a very good film. And then obviously there's a whole other audience who like it for what it represents. So it's, it kind of covered itself fantastically well. Um, it kind of, what's nice about it is that, that the roaring success of it, I, I, I think it's a good film, not great. I, I'm going to say, I enjoyed yeah. it immensely. I enjoyed it. I'm a big fan of Black Panther, the character, so I enjoy seeing him on the big screen. Uh, and, but it, what's nice for me, because it's been such a shit house year of just anger and oh, just shit stirring and everything else. And just yeah. constant, everyone's blood is constantly boiling with Trump and Brexit. Yeah. And everything's so negative. It was yeah. really kind of emboldening to see something like this do so well. It felt like, okay, the world is a yeah, <laughs> there's some good people out there. Yeah, it's much the same way when Wonder Woman done so well a couple of years ago. You know, I I, I liked that film, didn't love it, but again, it was Absolutely. nice to see a film like yeah. do so well when it really could have had a real backlash because of just you know idiot prefer, idiot white males you know railing against it for no specific reason other than it wasn't them on screen, which unfortunately <laughs> will happen. You know, but the world saw through that bullshit and actually still went and seen this film and seen it in big bad ways. Um. So yeah. So Black Panther number two. 1.346 billion, so going well, but dwarfed, like literally every other film in this list is dwarfed by the number that one this year. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Avengers Infinity War was 2.048 billion, and I think it's still slowly cropping up. Um, oh, yeah, so which wow. it makes sense, you know, it's it's it was the event movie of the year without without question. It's a film, oh, yeah. you know. It's a film they've been waiting pretty much ten years to see. You know, you, you know, you see it. Um, I watched. I, I wasn't blown away with it by the first time I saw it. I felt it was there was too much in it. it didn't feel like it was working for me. It felt too fragmented at times. But me too. Yeah. I rewatched it recently um, over Christmas. I've done that, yeah. 
and I am on board with it. I think it's a magic trick of a film to, to be able to be able to do what they did in the film. I think is impressive. They do they actually do give almost everyone a moment, and you can tell. I, I need to rewatch. I, I I nothing but respect for even accomplishing it without yeah. it being a completely bloated mess. And yep. It wasn't the thing is two and a half, two hours, forty minutes, whatever it was, did fly by. Yeah. And it had a fucking great ending as well. Yep. Which oh, I was a big fan of. Um. Maybe I need to rewatch. Yeah. yeah, I mean, that film could easily have been Transformers: Dark of the Moon. You know, yeah, totally. just just yeah, a oh, yeah, absolutely. just a yeah. bloated mess, and it wasn't. It was it was structured. It had it had a lot in it. It had a lot of pathos. It had a lot of character moments, character beats, and characters grew within the film, which in big budget films like you tend not to see. So the fact that he managed to do any of that in a film of that scale was impressive. Um, and also they made a film where the bad guy is the main character, which I thought was, again, really brave of a film. You know, they didn't make Captain America or Iron Man the main guy in the film. They made that film, that is Thanos' film through and through. And I, I love the character of Thanos. Yeah. I love him because I can understand his dilemma. And that's, we've talked about this, probably not on the pod actually, but maybe we have. But a villain that you can empathise with is a good villain. Yes. It's, 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 and, and you can, and I'm not saying I can tell what he's doing, yeah. but you can understand, you can put yourself in his mindset and you can get it and he doesn't seem like a bad guy. He doesn't, <laughs> yeah. But also he could just double everything rather than half everything, which would be a lot easier. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> 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 it's a minor point that he, could, that he could double everything rather than half at all. Um, so that's the top ten for this year. I'll, in terms of the three beers top ten, three of the top of the box office top ten appear on the list. Okay. So you can find out what three of those are. You may be surprised by one of them. Um, eight out of ten of the top ten. Eight out of ten of the top the box office top ten got votes by someone. Right. The only two that didn't get votes were Fantastic Beasts and Amazingly Incredibles two. Didn't get any votes. Did it not? No. Nah, right. No one voted. For, no one voted for that. Um, they're almost like they're victims of their their own brilliance. So they're yes. Taken for granted, maybe. I agree. Absolutely. I absolutely agree. I think that people just people come to expect brilliance from Pixar. So when they are brilliant, you're like, yeah, of course they're brilliant. That's that's what that's what they do. Yeah. Um, the rest of the top, the rest of the list, there were 38 films that were voted for by everyone. So that's whittled down to 10. Um, and no film appeared on everyone's list, which I thought was surprising. Really? Yeah. Wow, that is surprising. That that sums it up, though, doesn't it? The yeah. Fact that there hasn't been one. Uh, there's been one in my opinion. Absolutely unequivocal, definitive classic. Yeah, no, it could be people. There's what there's one that's on the list that a lot of people list that maybe wasn't as didn't get seen by everyone, which I think is possibly one of these. And um, but yeah, I was, I was surprised at that that not there's one there's not there's not one single film that's on everyone's list, which I was really surprised at. And I think there's only one film that gets two number one votes. Really? Out of, out of everybody, yeah. Everybody else had sort of a different number one. Yeah, so very was, interesting. A very nice mix, yes. So we'll get into the top ten. You can discuss it. I think you've seen. I think you have seen most of these, which is interesting. Um, yeah, sure does. Okay. So we'll discuss everything we deserve to be on the list and you know, why it's on the list. So number ten is amazingly one that I've not seen. What? But you've definitely seen this film. Okay. Uh, number ten. Oh. Number ten on the list was Mandy. Yes. <laughs> so, so you've been oh. happy with that one. I love Mandy. Uh, it made like number 
yeah, I they're, never okay. seen anything like it. Yeah. And it's, it's not in there ironically, you know, it's not an ironic Cage film, it's just a fucking great film. If I think you'll love it. It feels like, it feels like a, a kind of, a, a kind of 80s film that you'd see at midnight with your dad. Yeah. You know, and, I, and, and it's just got a real kind of uh, unpredictability that I love. And it's so... Is there a basic plot? Is there a basic plot to it? Is it is there a plot at all to it? Yeah, it? Oh, no, it, it's a very basic plot. Like, basic, essentially, Nicolas Cage is, is um, an alcoholic and his... <laughs> it's ridiculous to say it out loud. His girlfriend is killed and he seeks vengeance. It's as simple as that, really. Right, okay. Um, but it's, it's by... Uh, she's killed. It's a horrifying death. But uh, it's... Um, like a kind of Manson-esque cult. right okay um, uh, but it's it's a proper uh, the, the cinematography that is so beautiful so beautiful to look at it's it's just all this kind of strange neon kind of ambient purple tone running through it and it's it's a really fucking the first hour is super creepy mm. you just don't know where it's going at all there's not much cage but then cage is unleashed right they, they use it sparingly okay it's all the affecting um it's fucking mental obviously it's absolutely mental but yeah it's really fucking weird and i, I like it a lot because i haven't really seen anything like it yeah. whilst it still pays homage to certain to certain genres and it, um that, that, that we know and love but uh, yeah i really really enjoyed mandy i'm very happy it's on the list yeah it's it it sneaked on yeah what is it sort of like the film that suspiria wanted to be I think so. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that I, I haven't seen the use of Spirit, but from your scathing review, yeah, I think so because it's arty, it's clever, it's knowing, it's it's reverential. You know, it, it, it definitely it wears its influences on its sleeve, but at the same time, it's it's something of its own. And it, 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 what I read, you all read this too, I'm sure. Cage um, had divorced from his wife and it was very unexpected for him right. from his perspective so he was in a really dark place so he said this film brought something out of him and yeah again Cage shows why he's the most inimitable actor who's yeah. probably ever he's probably most, he said most interesting actor the last probably the last 30 or 40 years you know you can you can question some of his choices you can question some of his, his movies but he always does something you know he always he's always he's giving a performance he gives you something in every film yeah he gives you a performance yeah. yeah, he's still got performance. So yeah, that was number ten. So Mandy's number ten. So well done to Mandy. I wasn't expecting any either. It sneaked in, it sneaked in just ahead of the Christmas Chronicles, which I was, I, I like that film. Um, number nine, which Christmas is, Chronicles was nearly was yes, 11, was it? yeah, bloody hell. A couple of people, because there's all these, a couple of people to kind of like it a little bit. You know, a couple of people give it a couple of five, yeah. five votes. It will bump it right up the. The list was a lot of films people might think are great, but maybe only one person loved it enough to give it to give it marks. Yeah. And that, you know, put it down. So, number nine is just out recently, which I think maybe accounts for why it's on the list just now, which is Mary Poppins Returns. Um, oh, yeah. It, one person voted for number ten. Uh, we gave it the full marks, and a couple of people gave it sort of little marks. That, got, that sneaked into the top ten. Um, directed by Rob Marshall. We'll talk about it more on next week's pod, I think, but... I can't fault it. It's a it's a wonderful family film. It really is. It's it's a it's a it's just a good, solid, fun family movie, you know. But has a real darkness to it as well because the opening 
Not the opening song, but the second or third song in the film is basically like a guy in a, an attic singing about how he wishes, how he's lost his wife and wants to come back home because she's passed away. Which Jesus. You, you really don't expect in a Disney movie, you know? It's like, holy fuck. So like, this is, this, wow. this, it's got a real kind of like, oh shit, this is like... He's, he, you can tell the guy's in a dark place at this point in time and he is, he's still, I think the, from what you get from the story, he's only passed away quite recently, within the past maybe year or so. So he's still very much dealing with that. He's, he can't really bring his kids up right because he's still mourning the loss. You can't, you know, that kind of stuff. So it's... Bloody hell, yeah, that's it's, heavy. So it's, it's kind of heavy in the middle of like a, what you think it can be like, you know, a Mary Poppins sing-along film. <laughs> yeah. Um, and it's a guy who plays Paddington who's doing that as well. I'm like, so just break your heart. Um, yeah, so Ben Wishaw, yeah. So it's it's just, but it's a really fun film. It does what you want from Mary Poppins film. It wraps in a big blanket of nostalgia. It doesn't repeat anything from the other films. You know, it has uh, flash. You know, it has stuff like with the like the animation, and it has sort of obviously it's not a chimney sweep, it's a lamp lighter, and then you know it's set in London and it's set in the same house. Yeah. But they're not really repeating anything from it. The, the structure's the same, but they're not just homaging. For the sake of homaging it, it's actually they're doing their own little thing with it, and I can see why that's people... a hard thing to do. That so that like yeah, yeah. Um, Emily Blunt is fantastic. She's you know the perfect Mary Poppins in many ways, um, and the only other person you can imagine playing Mary Poppins in the sort of current climate. You can't really see imagine picking anybody else out to to play that no, role. Definitely not. Um, so yeah, I, I can see why it's an, I wouldn't put it. In my, I didn't think it went my top ten, but I can see why people would because it is. It's a lot of fun. It's a lovely film. The soundtrack's great. I've got it my my iPhone already, so it's it's great to hear. So definitely, get people liked it, but I, I wouldn't put it in my top ten. But I, people, the people did love it. Um, number there is no number eight. There's two joint sevens. Oh, okay. Um, both at the same mark. So the first one is it's on the they're actually both films are on the top ten box office as well. It's Bohemian Rhapsody is the first one. Wow. And again, I think pure nostalgia. <clears throat> yeah. People like see, people like things they know. They don't like to sit and watch a film. You know, they want to hear songs they know as well, and I think that's that counts for a lot. Yeah, uh, it's it's taken off your critic hat, I suppose, for something like that. Yeah. Um, and we find that difficult to do, but I just don't think it was a very good film. I just think it was okay yeah. at best. I'm what surprised because I love Queen. I really, I was rooting for it. I think yeah. the main guy from uh, Mr. Robot does a great job, but. It's so forgettable and disposable. I think the problem is Queen just to me are the fundamental. They're not an interesting band, you know. They're they're, a, no, they're, not. they're great. They're, 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 not. they're great sound, great voice, but it's a great voice fronted by three or backed up by three pretty boring guys. You know, they're not like, you know, <laughs> yeah. they, they they played a couple of college gigs. They've done an album. They got fucking massive, and they remain massive for the next fifty years. It's, there's no hard luck story there. There's no, no. there's no fight against. The story should have been more on Freddie. Yes. He's a guy living in sort of a, in a very racist Britain. You could, you could easily have done it along the lines of, you know, the idea of, you know, Britain's totally. almost returning yeah. to that state that's now. You could have made it a critique of current society. And he's gay, you know, and he's and gay he's as well. In a very intolerant time. Oh. So, but they, yeah. they, I felt they brushed, they brushed over that. They almost made him straight by giving him like a fiancé for a good chunk of the movie as yeah. well. Which I, I'm, yeah. which I know he had a fiancé and they're, they are still... From what I read, still they were still close friends up to the point of Freddie's death, but they really they yes. sort of they pushed that on him, that on the film for a long time, and then they also have a thing where 
the only other gay character in the film is an absolute prick in it who's trying to basically yeah, basically fuck him over. Dickhead. Yeah. Yeah. And it's it only felt, it, it was Brexitized. Uh-huh. I'm telling you. And <laughs> only in the final what five minutes of the film does he actually have a gay relationship that actually shows that oh he was happy. Or, or, yeah. or a, gay, a gay relationship in a positive light. Um, yeah. So I didn't I didn't buy into. It. I like the songs because I think this, I love the songs. The Queen have obviously they have got great songs. I really enjoyed the guy playing. I want to say the drummer. Was it the drummer? Yeah. Yeah, um, uh, Roger Taylor. Yes, yeah. but he yeah, was good. Um, yeah. Um, I actually also liked the guy playing the record producer, who turns up in everything, whose name I can't remember this now. Oh, yeah, he was good. Yeah. Yeah, but he's in so many things, yeah, he was good. Yeah, good. It's, it's not worthy of the top ten. I'm no, that. I agree. I think yeah. there were better films that missed out this year, so that's, yeah, but that's what it is. Um, alongside that, with the same rate, same number of points, was Black Panther, which we've discussed already, um, pretty much at length. So it was, it was in there at number, number joint number seven. Um, yeah. But I'm surprised that the two of them went side by side. To be honest, pretty much everyone, everyone did have Black Panther in the list. But uh, I didn't. you didn't, and I think one author, but everybody else had Black Panther in the list, but just had it quite. It's on the list. Quite low down. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. You felt the only need. You felt the need. To, yeah, yeah, you had to have it on the list, but no one really put it high enough to really sort of make an impact on the, the top, the top places. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so I said probably it's probably the line of the film. Maybe the second bit. Maybe the first most poignant line of the year, I think, is in that film, which I thought was the final line from, um, Michael B. Jordan, which I thought was brilliant. Um. Oh yeah, he was great. Yeah. Again, you go, you go back yeah. to the thing with Thanos saying, you know, you can get a sympathetic villain. The, Michael B. Oh. Jordan, he is, he is basically, he is one line away from being the hero of that film. 100%. Yeah. He, he was, yeah, he is, he, I'm with him, man. Oh. I get his range. Yeah, he is, he is generally the hero of that movie, but just they play it yeah. with he's not wearing the suit, essentially, so he's not the hero of the film. Yeah. But you can easily shoot really? that, you can easily edit that film and show it in a different light where he is a hero. He's trying to like sort of take back his kingdom. And you can watch that film, you know. So that's where that film is, you know. Again, you mentioned the Avengers earlier on. That's that was the joy of having a, a really sympathetic villain throughout the whole film. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah, um, real star quality. I really enjoy anything that he's in. To be honest, it's, it's got real quality about it. He has, and which is why I'm a big shame. I didn't really enjoy Creed two. I thought I wanted to enjoy Creed two more, and it just it didn't really grab me. Uh, you, you, you put me off it because I love the first one. Yeah, so I, I love the first one as well. And the second one just never really done it for me. And he felt curtailed as well by what he was trying to do with the character on the first one. It's, it's been sort of really hemmed back um, in the, the second one. But still, cracking actor, and you're always interested to see what he's going to do next. Anything he wants to do, you sort of are interested in. He's not in a, a, a remake or an adaptation of Fahrenheit 451. Oh, I don't know. No. If it's, I, I'm sure Amazon's doing that. I don't know if it's out. I think it must be out sometime at the start of next year but yeah he's doing that as well so that's interesting yeah that's very interesting so he's definitely he's definitely around there um, on to the next film well the next one again it's, there's no there's no six there's two joint fives because then again okay. so we've got Black Klansman this is oh yes I haven't seen it man yeah I seen it which I, I'm pretty sure it's one of them that I think I know so much about it that I think if I watched it probably it would be I, I'm pretty confident it would be in my top ten yeah I just haven't seen it um, people saying it's returned to form for Spike Lee. I, would just, I think Spike Lee's always been on form and relevant. Like, not many. He's people's... always interesting. He's always different. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, everyone, no one, that film, not everyone, no one saw that film Chirac that was out 
maybe three or four years ago that he did. Is that the, the, what the is it like a musical? It's no, it's done like iambic pentameter or something. It's all done in oh, rhythm. Yeah, that's the one. Yeah. And it's based on an old, I want to say, Greek myth where like basically women of the, the city refused to have sex with their, their husbands until they stopped the gang war or stopped the war. So this is the, the, so it's the, all the women in like sort of the, these. Um, Sort of like streets that have been ravaged by drugs and like gang violence, basically all band together so they will not sex for men until the gang violence stops. Which, you know, when you think about like uh, Boys in the Hood, yeah. he's really he isn't he isn't living up to the stereotypical path that he could have taken. No, that's always no, definitely not. Um, and Black Klansman again, I, I thought it was absolutely just so engaging, just so clever, so well done. And just one of the kind of films when you're watching it, you do feel a bit breathless after watching it because it's uh-huh. you're seeing stuff that you're like, oh god, that's that's not made up, that's not real. And they, they end the film on sort of real footage of a few things, and you're watching it going, oh, oh shit, that's not that's not fake, that's that's all real, you know. And, and, and it, it makes you really it really hits at home in a in a big it way. Stays with you. It stays with you. It's I think one of only two films I saw twice this year. You know, like I, I felt the need to go back and see it again. Wow. I think the first time it, you, it, you're sort of so wrapped up in it, it's just it, because it's hard to take it all in. So you need to go back yeah. and see it a second time. Um, I hope it gets a lot of love at the the Oscars, but I'm not really seeing a lot of chat about it. It's a real shame. No, um, no I, I, I would generally like to see Topher Grace get a nod for best supporting actor because I think he was fantastic in it. Wow, um, it would be great to see Eric from that set. <laughs> Um, yeah, he was. He plays David Duke and plays it in a just a really well done way, and he's utterly believable as the character. Um, Denzel's son, whose name I'm now forgetting, I think it's David Washington, isn't it? If I remember rightly. Um, well, I did not know. Yeah. Denzel's son is in it. Pl- he plays a real. He plays the, the lead act, the lead character in it, and he he looks no a he looks a bit like his dad. But there's a few times he takes some acting beats when he's exactly like his dad, and you can see it in the no in the voice oh through. God. Yeah, yeah. So there is moments you go, you're like, oh my god, that's, that's that looks like young Denzel, but it's it's not. But you can see where he's obviously getting his acting chops from. I think he was, I think he was an American football player at one point and had to give that up for injury and became an actor instead. Remember the Titans. Yeah. What was the, um, <laughs> I found out that Bono's daughter is an actress. Oh shit! I didn't know that. She was in something. What the fuck was she in? I know this is not this is off point, but just thinking about famous actor siblings. Um, it's like that first time you find out that Duncan Moon is actually Bowie's son. Oh, oh yeah, it was like the, the Dave Grohl, you know, Foo Fighters Nirvana when you were a kid. Uh-huh. It was, it was mind-blowing. Yeah, it's like, oh my god, people, people have lives beyond the one thing I know them from. Yeah. I'm sure it's, it's Phil, oh, well, Phil Collins' daughter, she acted, is it Lily Collins? She's in a few things as well. Is she? Yeah, I'm oh, sure. God. My dad has such an irrational hatred of Phil Collins that I, think, I just—it's just—it's converged onto me through osmosis. I think. Um, so Lily, Eve, look. Eve. She, Eve Hewson. So his real name Bonner was Paul Hewson. She was in Bridge of Spies. Oh, was she? She was Carol Donovan in Bridge of Spies. I can't think. And she was in Robin Hood. She was Maid Marian in Robin Hood. That's the, the new Robin Hood, the one with um. Yeah. Oh, the, not, the fucking chavs, the chav Brexit Robin Hood. I've not seen that one yet. No, me neither. Um, it's going to be awful. Yeah. Anyway, 
yeah, Black Klansman. If you're saying, is it the most usually Black Panther most important film of the year? It probably is because of the audience it reached in representation. But to me, Black Klansman yeah. felt even more important, you know, because of what it was doing and what it was trying to show. Awesome. Did it do well? Box office. I think it done okay. That's yeah. Spike Lee now, though, isn't it? He just he doesn't seem to get that hit anymore. No, I think his big hit has been Inside Man. It's probably the biggest hit he's had in a long time. Yeah. That's that's all about Denzel, though, isn't it? You know, it's, if you put him on the, the poster, you're halfway there, aren't you? Yeah, that, and also, I think, like, I think that's a brilliant film as well. Oh, it's a great film. It's a yeah. great film, no doubt. It's a great film. But um, it probably not half of what it did with that film. Absolutely. You know, anyway, I mean, the fact that Equalizer yeah. 2 made massive money this year, and that's, that's purely based on the fact you want to see Denzel do things. Because Denzel... <laughs> Denzel sells films. Um, but joint fifth alongside that was probably my second favourite film of the year this year, which was Into the Spider-Verse. You know what? I haven't heard you this buzzing about a film in quite a while, but you were so excited on the back of watching that film. Oh, and from what I'm reading about it, it sounds like there's been meticulous detail gone into it. I'm yes. very excited about watching it. I think the um, there's a tweet put out today by someone, and I think it says something along the lines of every second of that film took oh, an animator a week to animate. The film is 117 minutes long. There's, so, so there's 800 anim- long There was 800, 800 animators working on it. It took four years to make. Fuck off. It is, it's brilliant. Honestly, it, 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 if you're wow. a fa- if you're a fan of the Spider-Man genre, and you've yep. read if you've ever read Spider-Man comics for a long time. It's amazing. It's like watching a dream come alive. It's literally everything you love from Spider-Man all in the one film. In a way that, in a way that simply um, a live-action film cannot do and couldn't do. Even wow. with the advances in CGI, even with the advances in everything, it's, there's simply no way to do this film in a live-action way. Best Spider-Man film, then? Yes. It's better than Spider-Man 2, which wow. is, for a long time was my favourite. Um, yeah, I love I me. Mean, I love Raimi. I love Raimi Spider Man Two. I think Raimi Spider Man Two is probably my favourite comic book film. I think, yeah. it, I think it's absolutely, absolutely phenomenal. But this film pips it. Just in terms of a comic book movie, it, it pips it because it's just, it's just so much in it, and there's so much referencing, and there's just, it looks absolutely stunning. It looks like a comic book has literally came to life. Wow. Which you hear about that, like you hear about someone saying, like you know, like the Dark Knight, or it's like it's like reading a comic, a graphic novel for the, like seeing a graphic novel come to life, and it's not. It's like seeing. It's like seeing a, no. a, a film noir coming to life with, with Batman in it. Yes. That's what it is. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. It's not a comic book at all. No. no. no this is a comic book. So, is it an origin story? Very briefly an origin story. Right. Um, in that you don't need an origin story because everyone knows about Bat- uh, who Spider-Man is nowadays. Well, exactly, yeah. But, they, but they, you do get sort of a brief history of who the character is because there's different variations of the Spider-Man character in the film. <laughs> Wow. Okay. So, so you have to understand who, who each one is, but each one's done in a really interesting way. I'm very, very interested yeah. by this. And also, Nick Cage's second entry into this year's top ten. That is very impressive to yeah. get so high when it's very recently released as well. Yes. So everyone who's seen it must love it. I think that's what it is. I think there's like I think four of us all have seen it, and all four of us loved it. And they all, and it's probably a bit of a a weighted. Position in fact, yes. we are all the four of us who saw it are all massive comic book fans, um, yeah. so yeah, we're, yeah. maybe we're predisposed to liking it a lot more than maybe somebody else. But as an as an animated film, I think it's a great animated film. As a Spider Man film, it's a great film, and as a piece of cinema, it's a fantastic film as well. It does so much. Like literally, you have you have like two D, three D manga, 
and then this other anime thing all in the one frame. So it's fully, they just, they're, they're going all out crazy. Oh, girl, crazy, yeah, just, they're doing everything they possibly can with it. And then at the end, the finale, not going to ruin it for you, the whole finale turns into like, like a massive piece of Steve Ditko artwork, which is, again, utterly, biz- it's utterly bizarre. It's just, it's just, it's crazy, and it's, it deserves to be seen, and hopefully it will be around for a little long, and everyone will see it, but I absolutely adored it. I loved it in every single way. Um, Your passion for it has excited me greatly. Yeah. It sounds, it sounds like one of them, you know, we were talking earlier about films that will only gain in resonance and importance as time marches on. Absolutely. It sounds like it could be one of them. Yeah. I think it will cast quite a long shadow now, because it's seen you come out for, like, say, Homecoming 2, or what it's called, the new one it's coming out. It's now falling yeah. on from that. And it's got to live up to the same level of, of like just sheer entertainment and sheer emotion that this one has, and it's gonna be it's gonna be a tough ask for it to um, to push on to that one. But yeah, so even get close. Yeah, wow. Happily gone to number five, so I was quite pleased with that. Um, number four is probably what everyone thought might be the number one for the year. Um, or was definitely the sort of the critics' choice for number one, and that is three billboards outside of Ebbing, Missouri. Woo. So number four it got to, which I think is a fair representation of the cinematic year. I'm happy with that. Yeah. Yeah, happy with that. Um, that was the first film I watched this year. I was it? That from January the first. Yeah. Just solid. I said, I said, I said to uh, Lisa after we watched it. I said I won't see a better film this year. Mm. Now you could call this a stubborn refusal to, <laughs> to accept go anything back else. But I said, but yeah. I, I did put it as number one. Yes, you did. Um, I love this film. I, um, you, I can't. It really. You can't fault it. It is a brilliant piece of work. It, anchored by a phenomenal performance. She's. And it feels like a real actor's movie as well. It seems like it's, it's what you get when actors are willing to commit to a role into a film, even though they've not got a big part. You know, they, they know they can make their part yeah. important. Yeah, like, you're, um, who's the weird dude? He always plays weird dudes. I really like him. The guy gets beat up in the hospital. He's in the hospital, and oh, I can't remember his fucking name. The, the weird kind of receptionist guy. Oh, I can't remember his fucking name. He's he's in lots of lots of films and he always plays the kind of weird oddball. Right. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And he's not in it that much. No. He just brings a, a real commitment. I think there's so much. You, you can feel that it's one of those films where I think every actor who received how I picture it is every actor these great actors who received the script and the post from their agent read it and thought holy shit that is masterful writing yeah. I am so excited to be a part of this and, that, they all, that's and, how it felt for me. and they all hoped they had the Sam Rockwell role <laughs> yeah yeah like every every, every uh, guy I'm pretty sure every, like McDonough probably had a discussion with every actor on this like when they had this meeting saying you're not playing this role you're playing this role yeah because I know the yeah. pro- most of them would want the Sam Rockwell role because it's sort of like it is the apart from the Francis McDormand role it's the prize role in the film. It's the flex your chops yes. role, isn't it? Yeah. You know, it's showing every... It's, it's a, the multifaceted character that do you hate him, do you like him? You know, uh-huh. Really, you should, hate, you should hate him. Yeah. But even, even if you're a good enough actor, you can give a little bit of warmth and, and, and humility beneath the fucking harsh, cold, yeah. awful exterior. It's what everybody, every great actor and lesbian would want that role, I suppose, yeah. Exactly, yeah. Um, yeah, I guess I... I Loved it as well. Cannot fault it. Um, it was definitely on my top ten. I think it was a bit low down in my top ten because there's a few other things that I did enjoy more. And Three Billboards has got of, of the uh, of the Madonna films. It's I was trying to think would I go back and watch this one again in a ru- in a hurry. Weirdly, I would. I, I, 
I think there's there's something about, I think it's just the script for me. Yeah. I just I just the writing just it's so kind of from an aspirational standpoint. I'm just I'm just watching it and listening to it, and I'm thinking that is just otherworldly in its brilliance. Yeah. The writing is so good that I just and to make to make it really like laugh out loud funny, something so dark is a balance that I don't think many people can do apart from those brothers. Yeah, no, <laughs> absolutely. It seems like the only, only person who can make that film would be brother. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, 100%, 100%. Like, um, Calvary, which is exactly the same, you know, and that, had that same vibe. Uh-huh. Um, but yeah, so I, that's some of the reason that made me put it down lower in my list. Like, I just could not see myself watching it again. And I understand that for a lot of people because it's, it's pretty heavy. Yeah. But if I've done like a, I've done like a binge like a, on like a you know a, a marathon you know maybe watching all the work I wouldn't certainly dread watching it again but I just can't see myself coming home and popping it into the video player you know just to, to watch it again. Yeah, yeah. fair enough. But still yeah. fantastic and, and appeared on a lot of lists as well so everyone everyone who liked it certainly appreciated it because it, it did appear on pretty much every list. It's the it's the one classic for me, uh, but I'm happy with uh, with that placing. Yeah, that. that's good. Um, number yes. three was is the, the final film from the box office top 10 on the list and that is the avengers infinity war it's number three on the list yeah yeah cool yeah i'm not, not gonna argue yeah and make my list but it was they've done such a great job really it's yeah. not one you just take for granted i'd probably do a bit to be honest yeah by not putting it on the list it's probably a bit unfair to not have it on the list because i really enjoyed it i mean it only just made my list i mean i felt i felt i need to put it on because i rewatched it and i, and I appreciated more what the what they did how they achieved it. How they yeah. achieved it, yeah. And to bring so much into one film and not make it a complete and utter spaghetti of a mess is, yeah. is so impressive because you've seen films with less plot lines than that turn into an absolute shitstorm. And yeah. that, this film, it was cohesive, it worked, and it makes you just even more excited and more just insanely want to see the, the next part of it. You know? And I can't disagree with that. What did you... Um what, have you got an idea as to where they're going to go? Where do you think they're going to end? I'm, honestly, I'm trying not to read anything. Yeah. Or, I'm, I'm or watch yeah. anything. Like, trailer. I saw the trailer once, and it, it, it was actually a great trailer because it didn't actually give you anything of a plot away. That's what you want. Which is, yeah, because yeah, I've seen a lot of trailers recently, but again, we've talked about it before, where trailers just given basically the entire film. Like, that, yeah. God damn, I want to see Stan and Ollie, but the fucking Stan and Ollie trailer gives the entire movie away. Which is really, it's really frustrating. Um, yeah. I know enough about the Avengers comic books and the, the Thanos storyline to know where it could go. Do you? Okay. Yeah. Because I've read the Infinity War story, so I know where it could go. Um, I don't think they're going to go the same way as it. I think they're going to try and take elements of it from it. Um, and also, from what I've noticed, is they're exceptionally good at misdirection in the trailers because there's, there's actually shots in the trailers that are not in the film, or they've doctored yeah. them. Like the, the scenes, scenes of them, that are on the film, yeah. Or scenes of the one of them are running and it's all of them charging the field of battle and the Hulk's there and the Hulk wasn't in that scene. They just they just put the Hulk in the scene for the trailer just to make it look like the Hulk was there. Like it. Yeah, like so, it. so it's, it's, they're very clever when it comes to that kind of stuff. So I'm trying to avoid what, what they're doing with it. Um, but again, you look at this. This is a film, it's a combination of, what, 10 years of work, 18 movies, something like that, and they... Not only to, to nail the fact they nailed a decent movie, but to nail a film under that level of scrutiny and that level of like pressure, yeah, is something no, yeah. impressive. It's an achievement. It's a hell of an achievement. What is interesting to me is, 
Um, I only read this recently. It's the Russo brothers, isn't it? Yes. They, uh, I didn't know this really, they directed a peak quality era arrested development. Yeah, and um, also, um, I think... It's so convoluted, and uh-huh. they directed it with real aplomb, so it makes sense. I know they're completely different genres, but to make anything really technical and complicated and wordy and plot-ridden make it cohesive is fucking yeah. amazing achievement. I think that... I think they I think the community as well. They, they direct a lot of episodes of community as well. That was another thing they, they did. They were actually they were generally with yeah. there were TV guys who just I think they just pitched a really good Captain America story for Winter Soldier. Nice. And then after that, they that's, kind of, that, that's what they went with. Um, and they went they got in the room of Marvel and Marvel decided to go with what they were doing. So well done to them. And now they've got the biggest film of all time essentially. And they'll probably have the next biggest film of all time once they do. Endgame because everyone's going to go and see that one again. You know, oh, yeah. and it'll, pl- it'll probably make two, maybe make three billion for all we know. Probably three. Yeah. yeah. Um. So that's number three on the list. Number two on the list, which I think was the biggest surprise of the year, and probably thought was it maybe the standout of the year for a lot of people, um, which is a, a Quiet Place. Yeah. Yeah. Um, brilliant. It was my two. I think it was your two as well. Yeah. Um. Absolutely loved it. It's pr- it's just a really great horror film. Oh, like it was cut back to like ninety odd minutes. Um, or maybe just nothing to, feels wasted. Nothing felt wasted, and it's there's so few times you've been in a cinema where you've actually felt palpable tension in a cinema. Yeah. Oh yeah, the premise is so clever. The way you are very literally transported into their plight. Yes. So you feel like you are with them. So uh-huh. every cinema that I know people have been there, you've been there, I've been there, and friends and whatever, they all. Could hear a pin drop yeah. in the cinema. So incredible direction. He's a real talent. No, absolutely. Um, and not only that, it's, it's, you can. I've not seen it yet, but there's a film out that's now called Bird Box on Netflix. I've seen it. Everyone's yeah. told me it's trying to get into that quiet place vibe, and it doesn't pull it yeah. off quite as well. That's, and that shows you how good exactly. how good a film the Quiet Place was that it managed it, it did what it did so well. Um, that's a good. That's a good. Good um, comparison. Bird Box is good without getting to the same heights as a Quiet Place, which I said there's only one classic movie this year. Quiet Place will probably go on to be a classic of the genre. Yeah, I think. I think yeah, I think Quiet Place is one of those films a bit like It Follows, uh, a bit like The Babadook, where o- yes. over time it's only going to get more and more appreciated, um, yes. and people are going to sort of see more. And it's one of those films you're going to want to if, if, if someone who's not of age right now when it came out. When yeah. they get to the right age, forty, you would want to make them see it. a bit like The Exorcist, a bit like Poltergeist. It's one of the films that feels like it's you want to watch it and you want to push it upon them. Cause it is such a, a visceral film. And all, but the thing is, I, I, I do think I've not seen it at home yet, so I'm intrigued to know how it will work while watching it at home. Yeah, that would be interesting. I, I haven't either. Yeah, that would be interesting. Yeah, because it's because I was literally watching it in a packed cinema, and that's what made the film as much. Anything. It's the tension of the actual cinema and. Yeah. The moments of of like relief and shock and you know and fear that you heard from the cinema made that film what it was and you're watching it in that environment yeah. and if you're watching it at home and you can get distracted you can play with your phone and you can in some you don't play for watch the film the same way will it have the same sort of visceral impact that, that it did when you watched it the, the first time around? That will be interesting to yeah. to to reappraise actually. Yeah, but yeah, so number two is a quiet place and final film of the year uh, number one for the year. I am delighted this is number one. 
Um, I'm surprised it got to number one because I didn't think everyone else loved it quite as much as I did. But number one is Ready Player One. Yay! Yay! Um, the funnest film I've seen in fucking ages. Exactly. Just it, so, so much fun. And I, I, think that's, that's I think that's what it is. It, everyone who's voting on this is pretty much right about the same age. So we're all, you know, <laughs> yeah. we're all watching films from the same, kind of almost same vantage point. Um, we probably all watch the same things as we're growing up, so there is a, we have a kind of shared language when it comes to when it comes to film. For for, for the most part, you know, some of us are, have different guises, but for the most part, we all we all know the same stuff. This felt like it was aimed at all of us. It felt like it, it was aimed at our demographic. It's almost spot on oh, to it. I, I was with um, a friend of mine. He's the same age as us. Uh, he's a proper. Um, 80s geek as well and we were literally grabbing each other with excitement when yeah. things came on the screen we were just so excited yeah. it just gave such a it, just, it did that thing that Spielberg does so well anyway that, that kind of taps into your childhood but in, in the most it, it, there's no subtlety about it it just literally plonks it on the screen uh-huh. and say hey there's some fucking nostalgia yeah. for you and you're like, oh my god it's amazing I mean it's, it's literally it's like 10 degrees away from being the emoji movie at times because with, the, with the referencing and you know it, it's not yeah. that far it's off that. Nose, yeah. yeah but I think it's done so well that I, I, um, I forgave everything about it because of that and oh yeah yeah it's done with such love yeah and, and also like a, a knowing nod it's, it, there's a real confidence in the film in that he's he's it's almost like some, a master making peace with his past yeah in a way yeah, you know, which is which comes across really well, I think. Yeah, I think it, it felt to me a bit like Spielberg also doing a thing where everyone suddenly said to him, or even him, people go, "Oh, you're like talking about other directors who go, oh, you're doing these blockbusters, you're the, you're the new king of blockbusters." And Spielberg sort of sat there going, "Like, fuck you, I did this. I invented this. I invented this. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I'm not yeah. dead. I can still do this. Not only will I do this, I will put out another movie in the same t- in the same year while I'm doing this film. Yeah. You know, can you put the post out at, in the same year? A great movie, yeah. So you know, he went and shot everything for all. He was shot all the, the stuff for Ready Player One. While the CGI was getting done, while he was overseeing that, he went and shot the post. Wow. Much the same way we he done Jurassic Park and then went and shot Chambers. Chambers yeah. List at the same time. You know, there's yeah. no one else who can do it. There's no other director nobody, who could ever do that. No. You know, even nobody, guys. Nobody else could do that. Nobody else could do that. No yeah. One. You know, even guys like. Fincher, you know, Scorsese, all these kind of guys, all brilliant directors, they don't shoot two films in a year. No, they no. don't. They, they deliberate and they take three, four years between films, uh-huh. or two, two, three years. He's doing two Stone Cold classics in a year. Yeah. It's fucking ridiculous. It's stupid. It's people in... only have one Stone Cold classic in their whole oeuvre, yeah. filmography. It's fucking madness it is. And it's I... so much fun, Ready Player One. I love yeah. it. I, I haven't watched it again since I watched it in the cinema. And I watched it recently, and also compared to the post, they're so diametrically opposed films as well. You know, you've got one film that's just a pure joyride, and our film that is a seminally important movie as well. So it's, he's not even just doing two action films; he's not even doing, you know, he's doing two completely different movies. That, that's exactly like Schindler's and Jurassic yeah. again, though, isn't it? Yeah. He's just basically saying, "I can do everything, mm. <laughs> you fucking bastards. Yeah. <laughs> I am so much better than all of you. <laughs> I am the best that has been or ever will be, and you can always try and catch up with me." I think also the po- I don't think it, I don't think enough people seen it to be honest. Probably not. No. 
Um, that gave did... me the same kind of buzz as Ready Player One in a different way. Yeah. Because it was just so... Uh, it, it just... Uh, yeah, it, it gave you that same kind of Spielberg... Historical Spielberg is something I love. You know, the, the fact that the climactic scene, the climactic action scene in this film, if you want to put it, is someone on the phone reading out a verdict from a courtroom that you can't see. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And it <laughs> and it grabs you in every way. You know, and the most probably the most action in the whole film is someone making a series of photocopies. Yeah. You know, but yeah. for the whole film, it absolutely grabs you. You know, and, and again, that's a film that felt really important. Oh, oh, it's so so important now in the, in the era of fake news it, it had to happen yeah so um, but do we agree that the shining sequence in Ready Player One is the best thing that's ever happened that would be my next question what is your favourite scene of the year and for me it is the shining scene in, um, in Ready Player One I, I loved that scene I thought it was a brilliant scene I thought it was a great oh, it was a love yeah, letter from him to his friend as well as much as anything which I thought was a beautiful I thing I love that yeah, yeah. yeah you can feel there's real emotion gone in there yeah I because if there's one thing, you know, if there's one thing Spielberg also is, he he loves his friends and he he wants to boost his friends up when it comes to like their film. That like, he wants to support the guys he that he likes, and there's probably no bigger Kubrick fan in the world than Spielberg because you know they were both friends of each other. Um, so oh, it's just him paying, it's just him paying homage to the to, to his friends' work. I think that's really I thought it was a really nice, and probably no it's one beautiful. else. No one else could do that to that to, to a friend's work. No, no, you're right. No, yeah. you're right. It, it was, oh god, it just really, it really, yeah. That was the bit I was just grabbed by me because obviously I'm such a big, I'm, I'm a big fan of Kubrick, but The Shining is um, one of my favourite all-time films, and just for Spielberg to have his hands on it for yeah. a little bit was really exciting. Yeah, to witness it, on the it was really fun. Um, probably that moment, I think, Quiet Place, the, 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 sort of the moment in the silo in the Quiet Place was also a great scene this year. That was that was a great scene. The, there's a few, three billboards, there's a few scenes um, as well, the, but the, nothing it comes close to the Ready Player One scene. Yeah, I'm with you. I, I love that bit as well. Um, yeah. Anything you wanted to give a shout out to that's not on the list since you're here? Anything that you sort of wish was on it but it didn't make it on? Yep. Uh, I can't imagine it got many votes. No, it didn't, unfortunately, I to, no. I, I tend to try and sneak one. This is my equivalent to um, the one with bloody Colin Farrell that I put in last year. The Killing of uh, a Sacred Deer. Guy. Killing of yeah. a Sacred Deer, yeah. Uh, I like, yeah, I like to get a little weird one in there, but I, First Reformed is the kind of film that most people will hate. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, my, my wife hated it. So fucking slow. Mm. It's portentous. It's pretentious. It's very. It's it's up its own arse a lot of the time. But it's. Yep. it's I I thought it's so fucking good from a writing perspective. I thought it was just incredible. I thought it was really well paced. A lot of people say it's languid and glacial. Mm. But I, I, and then it just erupts and it has a couple of these moments that are like, whoa, holy shit. Yeah. So, um, <laughs> I, uh, I really enjoyed first performance. Annihilation. It's not um, Ex Machina. It's not as uh, Ex Machina is a bit of a masterpiece, actually. Yeah. The more I think about it, um, Ex Machina is one of those films again. Ex Machina is one of those films. The five-year rule should apply to Ex Machina. 
yeah. didn't really get a lot of it deserved when it first came out. Greatest sci-fi films ever, probably. Yeah. But at the time, you're just like, oh, this is a good film. Yeah. But actually, it's it's fucking incredible. Yeah. Annihilation is it's more grandiose and it's trying to hit that level of artistry. And because of that, not everything works. But I, I really enjoyed it and it, it left me with a lot of questions. Mm. I, I, I think the, the biggest thing about that film was that it was the whole point was that there were no answers. So yeah. That, that's why I enjoyed it. Um, really cheesy a shout for me but it made my top 10 I love The Star Is Born I, yeah. I really I thought it was proper classic filmmaking really a proper throwback to a film that's obviously been remade so many different times mm-hmm. but they had a real chemistry between them uh, Bradley Cooper has never really convinced me but uh, he convinced me in this and, and I really love the fact that he modelled his performance on Eddie Vedder because he just wanted to be a really good guy yeah. and he came across as a really good guy but troubled and Gar Gar was Fantastic. Yeah. I just love the chemistry. Um, Sorry to Bother You was just so Different. fucking out there. Yeah. <laughs> rock film. Yeah. So that they're my... Uh, Phantom Fred as well. I, I love that. But yeah. I can understand that not many people are going to dig that. So it's fine. Yeah. Uh, what about you? Um, you mentioned a lot of the ones I liked as well. Um, I wish First Man get more love. I thought First Man was fantastic. Um, but... I get why people didn't really like well, it. Point some of the, the scenes that were, were incredible in that film. Yeah. Were just but stunning. I think the ponderous nature of it at the time, maybe it would put a lot of people off. Maybe it wasn't quite as bombastic as people wanted a film like that to be. Um, yeah. It wasn't the right uh, stuff. No, it's, it's, yeah, he wasn't a particularly likeable character. Maybe. I think that was a problem. Yeah. He was, yeah. He's, he's a gruff guy suffering from the loss of his daughter. So, I mean, it's... <laughs> um, yeah. Which yeah. creates a certain type of man, I suppose. Um, that one probably the other one that made my list that no one really gave any love to because no one saw it was um, Upgrade yeah, that, that was close for me that was that was definitely knocking about because I haven't really seen anything like it and um, that is another one maybe a sci-fi film maybe that's another one that I think I'll probably as time goes on I'll, I'll be more appreciative of how original that film was yeah I think it's one of those films a bit like the guys who done You're Next um that yeah. I, I want to go yeah. see all the work after it, and almost even if the work after it doesn't quite live up to the potential that um, your next had, I'll, I'll give a couple, I'll give a few more passes, you know. Yeah. You know, um, and I feel that upgrade the guy who done upgrade. I can't remember the guy's name now, but the guy that upgrade, I'll give him a good three or four films to convince me that he's either a brown or b not good. You know, I'll, I'll give him a bit of a run to see how see how well he can do. Yeah. Um, but other than that, I think. Good idea. Other than that, I think our top ten has a pretty solid list. I can agree with most of them. I'm not particularly up on Bohemian Rhapsody, but in there. Um, yeah, but everything else, I can see. I can justify why it's in there. I can see why people would vote for it. You can understand it. it. Yeah, yeah, yes. definitely. No, uh, it's a solid list. Yeah. yeah. Um, next year, like if you say there's three films you're looking forward to, what, what three are you looking forward to? Uh, three. I'm, the one I'm most looking forward to is Us. I'm very, very excited about Us. Us, yeah. The, uh, the Jordan Peele. Yep. Uh, like horror film. Because Get Out was my film of last year, yep. and uh, I, 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 I just—he's one of them. I just trust. He's such a, a shrewd operator that I don't think he'll let us down. I don't think it'll be Get Out. I think we're going to come away going, "It's really good, but it's not Get Out." I think so. I've already, I've already reined in my expectations there, um, and it can't be Get Out because Get Out came from nowhere. Yeah. And he was just a comedy writer, so you know it's. it's He's, he's got a gravitas now that means he can never achieve the same surprise hmm. or shock. Um, but I'm excited about that. Um, I'm really 
excited about Glass because I thought Split was so fucking good. Yeah, yeah I'm looking forward to I've got tickets to go and see the advanced preview of Glass, I think, next week, so I'm really looking forward to that no one. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, 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 I think I'm going to see that a week early, but still, I'm looking forward to seeing that. That's exciting, and probably very, very quickly, um, uh, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Yeah, so that's probably one for me as well, yeah. The, the, you know, Tarantino films happen so rarely these days, he's almost becoming, you know, Terence Malick with his films, you know, sort of. He's Malick esque, yeah. Yeah, he's he rarely doing one these days, so yeah, so it's even just, it seems like, again, it seems like an event. In the same way, Avengers will be an event for everybody. A Tarantino film is an event for us as well. You know, we you look forward to it for months in advance. You know, you're you're waiting for it. Um, I agree with all the ones you're saying, dude. I'm also to get sort of really show my geeky film side. I'm really looking forward to Godzilla, King of the Monsters, because I love Godzilla as a character. Um, yeah. So I've, I I know not he's not everyone not everyone loved that last movie, but I kind of dug that last movie because I really like Godzilla. So I'm really looking forward to that one. Um, yeah. Avengers Endgame, obviously, that's one we're all looking forward to. It's sort of to see the culmination of everything that's happening. Um, and oddly, um, I'm really looking forward to. What was the one I'm looking forward to? Well, not oddly, Vice I'm looking forward to as well. Shit, yeah, Vice. Vice no, out I'm as well. Science about Vice. I think Bale's. If he doesn't win, and not the best. Um, you know, the best main actor Oscar for that, I think we'll all be surprised. Yeah. Because it looks. He's really committed, as he always does. Yeah, it seems the, thing, the kind of thing that Oscar loves, you know. Oscar loves actors doing yeah. physical transformations. Um, but no, I'm really looking forward to Vice. There's a lot of stuff actually out next year that, again, could be great, could be bad. You've got Toy Story 4's out as well. You've got John Wick 3, Lego Movie 2, Dumbo's out, Dark Phoenix is out, Detective Pikachu. Captain Marvel. Captain Marvel. Captain Marvel's out as well. Shazam's out, which I think could be a, a real sleeper hit as well. Yeah, that um, looks cool. Pet Cemetery um, remake looks actually pretty decent as well, which I'm actually. It looks alright. Yeah. Netflix though. No, I don't think. No, I don't think. No, I don't think so. Oh, is it not? Okay. No. Um, Hellboy's out as well. The new Hellboy, which I've quite dug the trailer for that. I'm actually looking forward to that one. Yeah. Is the new Joker out? Wacky. Wacky. Which for pure insanity, I'm actually intrigued to see what the again one of the greatest actors of the generation does with one of the most iconic characters. Um, but yeah, there's a lot again a lot of interesting stuff, and I'm sure there'll be something that'll pop up from. Hopefully from nowhere that just sort of grabs from us. Nowhere, well. that's what we want. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, it's all getting well. We'll get excited about these big budget releases and these sort of massive tentpole releases. But to, something that disappears from nowhere, like for example, for you it was Mandy. For me, it was Upgrade. Just things that come from yeah, yeah. absolutely nowhere. Like holy shit, that was something else. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah. And Upgrade wasn't far off for me either. Yeah. It gave me that same excitement of something completely new that I knew nothing about. Oh. Um, that that's just a good feeling when yeah. you've watched a shitload of films. <laughs> you know? Yeah. It's it's so rare to actually go and see a film these days where you've not seen it before or you've seen something like it or you've seen or you know how it's all done. To be to walk it to walk in a film and maybe think it's gonna go one way and to be genuinely surprised when it goes a different way. Now sometimes there's a few films this year, for example, what was it, Hotel Artemis? Yeah. I went in hoping was... for something and it went a completely different direction wow. and it didn't go in the direction I wanted it to go and I felt I felt let down by it. Same with um the biggest disappointment for this year for me was downsizing. you know Going in with, going in with, oh, you know, we, we covered in a very detailed pod, but yeah, downsizing was the biggest disappointment. And yeah. there, were, there were two films this year, actually, that were both of that ilk. Yeah. Downsizing, and then there was uh, Tully, Tully, and they were both exactly the same in that they were really good for a, a certain period of time, and then they both just disappeared and yeah. fell the cliffs. Yeah, and you know, surprising me is great, but you've also got to make it 
you look understandable. Um, um, so yeah, I'd be surprised. So hopefully something surprised me next year. Um, even even something like the kid, which is um, D'Onofrio's directing debut with um, a kind of a cowboy film with Ethan Hawke in it. So that's that seems like right up my street. That something like that could really be something special. Yeah, so, yeah something along those lines. I'm, I'm really looking forward to as well. Um, but yeah, so next week out. Well, to watch. I suppose whoever's doing it with me next week, I think it might be Barry next week. Um, we will talk Mary Poppins returns in depth to get right into it. I think Barry very much loved Mary Poppins. Um, right. Also out on the first of January is the favourite, the new film from I can't pronounce his name, but the guy who did the favourite, uh, who did the um, Lobster and also did the Killing of a Sacred Deer. You know. Oh, is that yeah. the name of his? I think the name of that. Yeah. So it's Olivia Olivia exciting. Moon. No, Olivia Coleman. Olivia Coleman. Emma. Oh, she- She's a queen, yeah. Yeah, and then weirdly, she is the queen in the crown as well. Oh, what she now as well? Yeah, she's a replacement for Claire Foy. Oh, right, yeah. okay. Well, in this one, she's, a, I think, a bit of a weird queen. She's like, um, yeah. going a bit mental. Um, we've also got Welcome to Marwin, which I'm really looking forward to. It's um, Robert Zemeckis directing um, doing live action, which I think is always great to see. He, does, he gets lost in his sort of sometimes his CGI worlds a little bit too much. Um, this one's about it's, um, Steve Carell as a, a comic book artist who suffers a, a a brain injury after he's attacked, and he can only sort of build his world now out of little dolls. Oh, it's a true story. Is it a true it's story? It's a true story. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I don't know it's this. A, it's a John Ron. It's a John Ronson article, but it's well worth reading. Okay. But yeah, the guy. The guy was um, he he was attacked because he was a crossdresser. Right. Okay. Batted, and there were like four or five. I think he was in Germany. Four or five uh, German Nazi yops batted him to within an inch of his life, and he can't remember any of his previous life but he creates these dolls and they're all kind of these intricate dark um, really detailed mm. uh, enactments of, of war and and also there's, there's, it's, it's, it's a fascinating story so I'm very intrigued by that yeah, the film season one is, the film is relocated to America obviously um, just for you know for cinematic states um, and I, I, doesn't seem, I don't know what he's doing but it seems a little bit different from what you're describing they're roughly the same idea though um, but obviously they've taken some liberties with the, the story to try and yeah, make yeah, it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but it's Steve Carell playing the guy who's attacked. Um, I mean, anything with Carell, and I'm, I'm going to watch yeah. he's, he's a proper star. Carell might be the greatest actor of the last ten years, and people just don't realise it yet. He's so good. So good in everything he does, yeah. Um, so that's how um, I'm also, we're also going to watch Bird Box and talk about that. Um, yes. And also we're going to talk about the new... Film it's on BBC Two this year, which is Happy New Year, Colin Busted from uh, Ben Wheatley. Ben Wheatley, yeah. So a guy who works more than probably Spielberg, maybe that's maybe maybe the only guy who can compete with Spielberg for sheer work ethic. To be honest, he seems to you know churn movies out on an almost weekly basis. Without without the uh, without the, the viewership, but yeah. Yeah, without the viewership, without the money, without the budget and everything, he still manages to churn a shit ton out. Apparently, he made this film with a leftover budget from Free Fire, so. So he uses he uses, he, he uses all the buffalo as um, Pixar put it. So yeah, so that's <laughs> yeah. so yeah. that is it for next week. Um, Stu, thank you for joining us. Thank you, mate. Always and, a pleasure. And happy new year to everybody. So I've been Richard. You've been I've been Stu. And you've been listening to. Three beers and a movie.